hey, I have a question for you. How and why does it seem at times that people drift away from Jesus? Now, this was happening during the Bible times. We know it was because they keep addressing it, but guess what? It even still happens today. And this is absolutely something that Paul was getting after in the book of Galatians, which is where we are reading right now in our 260 reading plan. And if you have not joined us in our 260 reading plan, Galatians is a great place to dive in. We have some free information for you in the lobby about how you can join in on our 260 Bible reading plan as we read through the New Testament together this year. But today we're looking at a scripture from Galatians chapter 1 where Paul is getting after this idea. And he ain't happy. <laughs> You're going to be able to tell that right away in Galatians 1, starting in verse 6. But I'll tell you, this is going to be a good word. You're just going to have to listen good, take out your Bibles, put, get, get up, open on your apps. Galatians 1, 6 through 8. This is what Paul says. He says, I am shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. There was a problem going on in this region. Paul had shown up and begun a church in this, the region of Galatia. It's not just a city, it's a region that encompasses uh, several different uh, cities, several different churches that he'd begun. He writes this letter back because news had got to him that people were deserting Jesus. So he starts off at the beginning of his letter here, Galatians 1, 6, I am shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Everybody say those words, a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And that's the title of today's message, no gospel at all. That's what Paul is getting at to his friends. They're abandoning Jesus, turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And then he goes on. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let's, let God's curse fall on anyone. Can you tell he ain't happy? He's calling down curses. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. The letter to the Galatians was written because after starting churches in this region, Paul had left. And now other voices were infiltrating the churches and intentionally twisting, he says, what Paul had taught them about Jesus, that it's about his grace. Now listen, this was a critical situation for these young churches that people were just 
like starting to like put down roots into what it meant to be followers of Jesus. And so this was like critical that Paul was addressing this because guess what? This is critical for us as well because this gets to the heart of the gospel. Can we believe whatever we want about Jesus and just like, it's all good? Well, Paul did not believe that. He believed that what we believe about Jesus is absolutely essential, that we need to establish this so firmly so that we can hold fast to it in our, in our hearts and lives. And in this letter, he passionately pleads for his friends, passionately pleads over and over as you read through this letter. You're going to hear his passion coming out, pleading for his friends to recognize the error of a different gospel that really is no gospel at all. Let's talk about this scripture just for a moment. So if you've got your Bible out, you can even take a pen and you can just underline different phrases or we've got it up on the screen now and they're just gonna keep it up there as I, as I share about this. People are turning to a different gospel, Paul says. Here's what I want you to take away from that. There's more than just one. There are more than one narratives that are out there that people would turn to to try to find meaning in life, to try to find God, to try to find a more, just a meaningful existence. There are more than one gospels that are out there. Here's something else that he's saying, that there is a true gospel. That's what he said. He said it is based on the truth of Christ the truth of Christ. And we've been called, it says, to live in his grace. He also says that any different gospel is really no gospel at all. In other words, it is not really good news. Now, the deception is, is that it has a sound like it's good news. Ooh, I like the sound of that gospel. But what he's promising you is that there's no gospel at all, meaning it's really not good news, it's really bad news if you follow out the direction that that gospel will take you. But this is so important. He's also saying here, by putting your trust in a different gospel, you are really deserting the one who called you. When we put our trust in a different gospel, we're putting our trust in a different God. This is really important. This is why Paul was so passionate about it because when we put our trust in any other thing that we consider good news above the gospel of Jesus, we are actually saying we are putting our trust in a different God other than Jesus. And then, of course, he finishes by saying, let God's curse fall on anyone who preaches a different gospel, including us. If I come back next year and start teaching a different gospel other than putting our trust in Jesus and relying on his grace and his work to find salvation, man, let, it, let me be cursed. Because people were coming in and deliberately twisting the truth and if, if he's this passionate in his proclamation, even calling down curses upon anyone 
who would bring a different gospel. Imagine how important it is for us to get this right. Listen, when you hear the word gospel, what, what like first comes to mind? Good news. Yeah, because that's like the literal translation, right? Gospel means good news. I was thinking about this and I, I was thinking about like, you know, I grew up in a home where there was like gospel music right, being played. Maybe when you hear the word gospel, you think about like gospel music. Maybe a certain old Christian band comes to mind. Maybe there's like some, some particular verses that stand out to you when you hear the gospel. Maybe there's some like actual scripture verses or maybe like a, a set of doctrines or beliefs that you were taught. Um, it's like, man, that's, that's the gospel. Maybe you just think about the first four books of the New Testament when you hear the word gospel because we call those the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because those are the stories, the words of Jesus, and, and the, in those we find the Gospel. But the Gospel, I want you to hear this, first and foremost is a person, and his name is Jesus. First and foremost, the Gospel is a person. Gospel, like we just said, means good news. And Jesus himself is the good news. There was a pastor who lived over 100 years ago in Great Britain. His name was Alexander McLaren. Listen to his words. Pastor McLaren said this, the gospel is not speculation, but fact. It is truth because it is the record of a person who is the truth. In fact, when you keep on reading in Galatians chapter one, you're gonna see that Paul goes like to some like lengths to tell people, hey guys, this gospel we're talking about here, this wasn't something that I contrived. In fact, he even says, this wasn't even something that other people taught to me. This was a revelation from Jesus himself. Jesus, the truth, is the one who's brought us the gospel, the good news. So first and foremost, the gospel is a person. It's Jesus. Now, Paul got really specific in one of his other letters. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, where he really gets specific and breaks down what he means by when, when I preach the gospel, guys, this is what I mean. In the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, he says, now brothers and sisters, I wanna remind you of what? Of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. Oh, Okay, better, better hold tight to this, right? In fact, he says, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. When he says what I received, going back to Galatians chapter one, he received this from who? From Jesus himself. Didn't read it in a book. Didn't get like a little track on the street and say, oh, this sounds pretty good. He got this from Jesus. It says, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus came. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Christ died for our sins. And guess what? He didn't stay dead. He rose again in power. He was raised on the third day. And when he says according to scriptures, he's actually saying, I want you to see that this has been the story that had been unfolding all the way since the beginning. This is not like a new thing that came upon us. We've been waiting for this moment. Man, the Jews had been studying scripture, waiting for the Messiah to come. And he's saying, that's this, this is the completion of the story. That's why it's such good news. Because Jesus, the anointed one, came, died for our sins, and rose again in power. So central to the gospel is our faith in the completed work of Jesus. Our faith, our trust in him. That's why he says, says, I love this. By this gospel you are saved if you do what? Hold fast to the word that I preach. Come on, everybody. Knuckle time, right? Hold fast. And if you don't know what that's all about, we got a t-shirt for you. (laughs) Hold fast. Hold fast. What was this completed work of Jesus that Paul was preaching? His death and resurrection. Forgiveness of sin. And then the promise of eternal life. I love what Tim Keller says about the gospel, right? Just right in this topic. Tim Keller is a retired pastor and has written so much and just such a great thinker. And he says this, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. Now, I was so broken and messed up that Jesus had to fix that. But he did it with joy. Scripture says, for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. He was glad to do it because we are loved and we are valued by Jesus. And that is at the heart of the gospel What did Jesus say about these things? In a conversation that he had with one of his dear friends, Martha, Jesus in John 11, man, there's this gospel presentation just in this couple of verses in uh, John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus tells Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now for him to say, I am the resurrection, what does that also mean? I'm also gonna be dead. You don't get to the resurrection without death. You don't get to Easter without Good Friday. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me, oh, I love that, who lives in me and believes in me, it's not only like this, like, okay, I believe, I get my ticket right, to eternal life. There's, yes, there's, I believe in in Jesus, but I live in him. He is my life. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never 
ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? You just hear, hear the words of Jesus, insert your name. Do you believe this, Gary? Do you believe this, Donna? This is the gospel. See, eternal life isn't just something that Jesus taught. It is something that he embodied. I am the resurrection and the life. It can only be found in relationship with me, Jesus says. So the gospel is the good news of Jesus. That God came to humanity. Emmanuel, God with us. And then he went to the cross and he died so that our sins might be forgiven. And that he rose again in power and now awaits with anticipation for us to join him in heaven. Our broken, sinful lives are made right by the gracious gift of our loving Savior. Yes. This is the gospel. He made all things right. He restores all things, and he sacrificed everything for us to make that happen. And if we get this right, if we get the gospel right, you know what? Everything will be right. Even when it feels like everything's going wrong. But everything will be right to put to rights. Even in our sickness, there is hope. Even in my weakness, he is made strong. By his very spirit and the empowerment of his spirit, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But man, if we get the gospel wrong, <laughs> then everything's wrong. And that's what Paul was desperately telling his friends in his region of Galatia. So what are some of these different gospels that aren't really gospels at all? What are they? I think there's, there's many. But I want us to think about, kind of wrestle through three of them that are big ones, I think in our culture and our society, three different gospels, that I think that we see these not only in our culture, but I think that we see these also uh, wanting to sneak into our church, into churches, and into our hearts. I want you to reflect on, on three of these. Number one, the first no gospel at all is legalism. Legalism. Now, when you read through the book of Galatians, this particular no gospel at all is the one that Paul is getting after. Because he's writing to people that in their experience in the Middle East was this Jewish tradition and many of the early believers, the first believers, where did they come from? They came from a Jewish culture, a Jewish religion. This is how they were brought up. This was all that they knew for their entire lives. But now some of them were saying, cool, and now Jesus is our Messiah. We do put our trust in him. But I'm telling you, it is so hard to leave behind 
culture and life experience and all of those trappings that were caught up in Judaism and, and all of the rules. And so what they were attempting to do was not just live with a personal conviction, you know, like we're going to get to you know, like the topic of circumcision. It's going to pop up a little later in, in Galatians. That was one of the biggies, you know, for, for Jews. It's like, you got to have your boy circumcised. And, you know, it's like, all you men, you better be circumcised. And so they would take things like that. And it wasn't just like a personal conviction, like, yeah, this is something for my family. We're going to continue to choose, even though we believe in Jesus. They mandated it. They were telling people, you can't be saved unless you also follow these rules and regulations. In other words, Jesus and his completed work on the cross and through his resurrection isn't quite enough. You have to do more to be made righteous, to be made whole, to be forgiven. And that, my friends, is a different gospel. Whenever we would want to put rules on top of what we see laid out very clearly in God's word for us as new covenant believers, people who are absolutely gospel people. My friends, I'll tell you, we get into very, very dangerous waters because it is a different gospel, which means that we are now worshiping a different God, not Jesus, not Jesus. Now, why would people turn to legalism? One, I think it's because of sometimes how people were raised. You know, they, they heard certain things. They were grown up with certain rules. Of course, people that would come from a, a Jewish background are going to have some of those traditions that they may want to pull alongside with them. But people from all different backgrounds Man, our community is filled with beautiful Catholic people. And you know what? There are many in our church who their background, they would say, hey, man, that's how I was raised. And sometimes when they come into a different kind of a, an environment that is really focused on the gospel, man, I'll tell you, it can be challenging to like not know how to deal with some of the Catholic upbringing and religious expressions. And can I tell you, I think a lot of them are beautiful. Now, will they save you? Only the gospel, only Jesus is gonna save you. It's not the rules, it's not the, all, all the different, you know, bowing, kneeling, doing this thing, praying a certain way. It's not those things that save us. And that's what Paul is getting after. It's Jesus. It's our faith and our trust, our holding fast to him. So one, I think people will slip into this different gospel of legalism because of tradition. But I also think that people slip into it because there's a, uh, there's a matter of personal control over it. It's like, I can do these things. I can be really good. I can follow all these rules. I can stay pure in my life. I can not eat those things or sleep with those people or I can do whatever it is. You know, it's like I can do those things in my own strength. And I'll tell you, we are so tempted to take control of our own spiritual journeys. And so sometimes we can slip into legalism because we're just control freaks. 
We don't want to just rely on Jesus and what he did. Said, now I'm taking charge of this. I'm going to build my own structures, my own rules. This is the path to salvation. So guess what Paul does, man? He gets after it. And he gets after it all through the letter of Galatians. But let me show you one place in particular. It's in just the very next chapter that we read also this week. Galatians 2.16. Listen to what Paul says about the no gospel of legalism. He says, we know that a person is made right with God by what? By faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be made right with God. Man, I just think about that. It is our faith in Jesus, our belief in him that makes us right with God. Nothing else. No other layers of tradition or culture or having to worship or pray or whatever a certain particular way. It is in whom have we trusted We have believed in Christ Jesus so that, we have, so that we may be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. He's getting repetitious here, and then he puts an exclamation point, this last sentence, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. No one, never, ever, 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 ever. You cannot get to God this way. Following rules, even being really good to the best of your own human ability will not get you to God. That is the gospel of legalism, and he's saying it is no gospel at all. That's number one. Number two, there's a no gospel at all that's on the other end of the spectrum. It is, you go from legalism to license. License is where I got the license to kind of do whatever I want now. Jesus freed me. I'm forgiven. And if I was forgiven once, he's going to forgive me over and over and over again for anything that I do. And you know what? Here's, the, here's, the, here, here's where it gets like we can build this idea in our mind. He will forgive us. He is the all-forgiving, all-merciful God. If we're to forgive other people 70 times 7 when they mess up in our lives, as Jesus told us to do, do you think that God would do less than that or more than that? God will continue to forgive. But see, the false gospel, the false narrative of license means that God doesn't really care about how we live our lives in him. Oh, he just, he's really just concerned about your heart. Not about what you do. And that is a false narrative as well. He does care. He does care deeply. He is interested in our heart, but he's interested in our lives. I believe that's why what we read just earlier from, from you know, about, about the gospel, that it, it's our belief in him and it's our life in him. There is a life to be lived out of our beliefs. Paul gets after this idea of, of like just kind of embracing a lifestyle of sin and it's okay and it doesn't matter how we act as long as we believe the right things. He gets after that really specifically in the book of Romans. And here's one of the things that Paul says there 
to counter this false gospel is in Romans 6, 15 and 16. And he says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, right? That, that false gospel of legalism. Man, we've been set free. Woo! We got grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not, he says. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Come on, praise the Lord. God's word is good. Can we just keep on sinning? Of course not. Because it'll just bring us right back into the slavery that Jesus died to free us from. He's like, what are are you thinking? (coughs) That is just as false a gospel as the gospel of legalism. It is no gospel at all. Legalism, now listen, legalism and license, though, those two gospels, still somewhere you can find Jesus embedded in those. You know, like the gospel of legalism is like Jesus plus all of these other rules. Like, man, if you don't follow those, you're not going to really be saved. The gospel of license would be Jesus and his grace is so amazing you don't have to worry about how you live because it's just grace, grace, grace with no consequence for our lifestyle, our behavior, what we choose to do, you know, with, with our actions. But Jesus, you can find Jesus embedded. This last gospel that I want to reference, one that is very, very common in our culture, in Western Americanized culture today, is one that you can kind of take Jesus right out of this gospel. Okay, but it's one we see all around us in our culture. The third gospel that is no gospel at all would, is something I would just call feel-good spirituality. Lots of people live this out in their lives. In fact, there's been research that has been done on Americans that find that many, many fall within this kind of uh, belief system. It's a feel-good spirituality. They may use the name Jesus. They may not use the name Jesus. They, they may reference the Bible at points. They may not. They may reference other works of other gurus or other uh, voices. But this is a very American form of spirituality. Researchers have actually given this the formal name of, are you ready for this? Moralistic therapeutic deism. If you want to research that, or you can Google MTD, and you're going to find a lot that has been written on this topic. They found that MTD, or this, this, what I would call feel-good spirituality, has five common themes that kind of, that people would say, yeah, I, I believe that. One, they'll agree that there's a God, but they may call him Jesus they may call him something else and that really wouldn't matter so much to them because it's a small G God. But they believe, hey, there's a God. Second thing, this God wants people to be good. 
to be nice and fair to each other. Things that are taught in the Bible, but those things that are also common in many different religious systems. Be good, be nice, be fair. The third idea that's found within people with this feel-good spirituality is that the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. There's that therapeutic aspect. That's the central goal of life. Be happy and feel good about you. Number four, this God, small g God, does not need to be particularly involved in your life except when he's needed to solve a problem. And then number five, people who believe in the spirit, this feel-good spirituality believe that good people are the ones who make it to heaven. Good people. Now, this gospel is really the kind of the foundations are be good and feel good. Be good and feel good. But when, when someone just says, man, you just need to be good, you know, like that, be kind, be fair to everyone, the goodness that they're talking about is not rooted in scripture. It's not rooted in the gospel. It is more rooted in culture. So what ends up happening is that being tolerant of things that the Bible would say is sinful is really important. Being tolerant is really what they would consider being good. And those who might call out those behaviors or those things as sin, that would be being viewed as intolerant and hateful and not good. So it's more rooted in a cultural understanding at the moment of like what is considered good when they say to be good. But it also emphasizes feeling good, feel good. So those who hold to this form of spirituality don't believe really that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, which is a central idea to the gospel, the true gospel, the gospel of scripture, the gospel of Jesus, is that Jesus is Lord, meaning that he's over all things, including me. Because this feel-good spirituality would treat God more like my pool boy and my therapist. My pool boy and my therapist. Yo, I need something else over here. Hey, and can you help me make, feel good about this area in my life? I, I kind of feel messed up over here. And so people with this gospel would view God in, in the, that light rather than know he's the Lord of the universe. And there may be times where it feels like he's stepping on my toes. He's making me uncomfortable. Why? Because he's God and I'm not. And he's calling me to a different life. He's calling me to something higher. His ways are not ever going to be my ways. His thoughts are not going to be my thoughts. And it may not always feel good. But he's the Lord. And they don't believe that. So, Paul, what do you got to say about that? How are you going to respond to that? Scripture has a lot to say about this. But I want to I finish with this one scripture. It is so gospel Centric. It's from, found in Titus chapter 2. Something else that Paul wrote. 
to his buddy, a young leader, young pastor named Titus. It's found in Titus 2, 11 through 14. And he's telling him, he's saying this, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Friends, he's saying that's the gospel in different words. The grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. That's that gospel of license, right? We're we're to turn from that. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Now, yeah, now notice something. It started out by saying the grace of God has been revealed, but the glory is going to be revealed. His grace, his gospel has already been revealed, but guess what? There's more coming, folks. His glory is going to be revealed, and that's that wonderful expectation, this hope in which we live that there's more to come. Heaven awaits. And then listen to this last statement. And these are like instructions that we're being given. Like, how are we supposed to be gospel people then? He says this. He says, he gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin. So we're supposed to live free. To cleanse us. I mean, like, we need to walk out this forgiven life. We've been cleansed. Don't go back to that slavery and defilement of the world. And to make us his very own people. Listen, you are a royal priesthood. You are a son or a daughter of the most high God. Live into that, he's saying. Live into it. He's made us his very own people. And then listen, we're to be totally committed. Somebody say amen. We're to be totally committed to doing good deeds. The good news of the gospel is to transform us so that we become people of good in the world. It's not enough just to believe something. We're to live into it. Where the good news transforms our lives. So now we are doing good in our families, in our homes, to our children, to our parents, in our schools, in our places of work, in our neighborhoods, here in our church, wherever it is that we find ourselves, we are to be these transformed gospel people, set free, cleansed, his very own people, that are now totally committed to doing good. Listen, this is the kind of gospel that we need. This is the kind of gospel that the world needs. It doesn't need legalism. It doesn't need you pushing rules on people. And it doesn't need your license like, oh, no, 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 you, you, you can still like do whatever you want and God's cool with that. He's He's gracious. Now God calls us out of our brokenness and into his wholeness. 
He died to pay for that. But man, he doesn't need some feel-good spirituality with kind of anything goes and just kind of pick and choose and that God's our pool boy and our therapist. No, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. But man, is it going to be powerful and good. The things that we read about in scripture, oh man, when we read through the book of Acts, which we have just recently done as a church family, why do we see the kind of fruitfulness and the breakthrough? Because their lives were rooted on this gospel. And here's the thought I want to leave you with today as we just think about the gospel. Being gospel people, we don't want to give our lives to something that is no gospel at all, that really isn't good news. We started today's message in Galatians 1 where Paul stated this, I am shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you, right? But how about if we flip that around? Because I'll tell you what, I, I was, as your pastor, and just, even when I look in the mirror, I, I, wanna, I wanna rather say this. I am shocked that you are so quickly running to the one who called you. Because listen, if you can desert quickly, you can run to him quickly. If people can desert God quickly, I'm telling you, and I've seen it happen, where people say, oh, now I get it. The one who calls me loves me. The one who calls me is gracious toward me. The one who calls me died to cleanse me and, is, and has given me his very spirit to empower me. That's the one who calls me, I'm gonna run to him. Friends, let's run to the gospel. And the gospel is a person and his name is Jesus, amen? Would you join me in prayer? God, we are so grateful for the gospel. It is the power of God to transform lives. And it doesn't matter what life, it doesn't matter how great the brokenness is, it doesn't matter how deep the darkness is been surrounding that person's life, doesn't matter. Lord, your gospel has the power to change things. Because you have the power to change things. And Jesus, you are Lord. In fact, I just would just encourage you, right, right in this very moment, would you put those three words on your lips? Would you just say with me, Jesus is Lord. Are you ready? Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Jesus is Lord. as I often find myself saying, Jesus, you are here. Jesus, you are good. And Jesus, you are Lord. Friends, Jesus is here. He is here. Right in this very moment and right where you are. Even those watching online, I can just tell you listening to this podcast, wherever you are, Jesus is here. He is with you. And he is the one who calls you. 
And he's not here to beat you up. He's not here to mess you over. He is good. He wants to set you free to be who you've always wanted to be, but didn't know how. Maybe you've been chasing after a different gospel, finding another path to find meaning in life. But today Jesus would call you to his good news. The good news that he came to earth to bring. The good news that he secured on the cross. And the good news that, oh my goodness, with an exclamation point, shot off like a rocket on that third day, on that first Easter Sunday. Listen, if, if you have never before with conviction stated, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I wanna make you my Lord. I wanna give myself to your good news. That today would be such an awesome day to say that, to state that. Because I believe that it, this good news will change everything in your story. And if that's something that you wanna say, I wanna make that my own declaration today. Then I just want you to just, wherever you are, just look up at me. No one else is looking around. Wave at me, say that's what I'm declaring today. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is my Lord. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. Yeah, bro, yeah. Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, thank you for the good news. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to preach the bad news. All we have to preach is you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. The ministry team is coming up right now. And man, any who want prayer today, it's yours. Jesus is here. He is good and he is Lord over all things. If you need something to be agreed upon in prayer, if you just wanna pray something about your life that needs a touch of Jesus on it, and we've got some incredible people here, even out in the courtyard, that are ready to pray for you today. So don't leave without receiving ministry. And if you're online joining us, man, if you said yes to Jesus, we wanna hear about it, you can go onto our website, sm4.org and just go to our contact page, drop us a message. If you need prayer, we're here to pray for you as well. So drop us a note about that as well. We wanna be agreeing with you. Church, you are loved. Go be gospel people. Go do good deeds because God has done a good thing in you. Amen? Have a great week. Love you.